Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Emotional Inheritance of Parenting show. This episode is going to be a little different in that it is the first of a three-part series on emotional health in young children. I'm making it a three-part series because of how important this topic is in young children and in children in general, so it merits breaking it down into different episodes. Each episode in the three-part series is going to have a lot of valuable information and guidance for you as parents. And the last one, the last episode in this three-part series is going to include a free resource that you'll find very helpful. So stay tuned till the end of the mini-series. The three-part series or the three episodes are going to be first, meaning this one, The topic is going to be what is emotional health and why is it so important in early childhood? Second, what actions, this is again the second episode in the series, is going to be on what actions on your part as a parent would create the opposite of emotional health. So the second episode in the series is about the don'ts. And then the third one, the third episode will be on how you can promote emotional health in your children starting from infancy. And the focus is going to be mostly on early childhood, but this all applies to childhood in general. And so this last episode in it, we're going to dive deeply into the steps, specific advice, examples, various resources that you can access. And I'll close the series with the free resource, a guide with steps that you can begin to take to foster your child's or your children's emotional health. So let's get started. Hi, welcome. You're listening to the Emotional Inheritance of Parenting Show, your podcast for raising children with love, mindfulness, and emotional presence. My name is Karemi. I'm a certified conscious parenting coach and a mother, and it's a pleasure to have you join. about these questions for a minute. How would you like your children to treat themselves? How would you like them to treat other people? How would you like them to address difficult situations? What inner resources do you want them to walk out of your home with as they face the world day in and day out when they're adults? What skills do you need to help them develop in order to have those inner resources that you want for them? What do you need to do and what do you need to stop doing perhaps in your relationship with your children to build those inner resources and those skills in your children? Such important questions, right? In this three-part series, we're going to dive deeply into all of this. And I'd like to start us off speaking of what we would like for our children once they're older and what we need to give them in the present so that they can have those emotional tools, so to speak. I'd like to start us off with a quote from Dr. Shafali Sabari, and it goes like this. Our children won't stay around us forever, but will soon move on to their own lives. It's during the few short years we have them to ourselves that we can help them awaken to the fullness within them, because it's into this inner cup that they will dip when they are alone at college and under pressure, in a relationship and struggling with intimacy, or in a financial crunch and anxious. 
To prepare them for this, their spirit needs to be nourished on a daily basis, end quote. What a job we have ahead of us every day, right? Where to begin, we think to ourselves. So much to think about and change, perhaps. But let's start with the basics. As you well know, intelligence in the academic sense, or a high IQ, so to speak, is not a guarantee of fulfillment in life. Emotional intelligence, which comes from emotional health, is a much better predictor of how well you do in life. And this has been proven. Actually, a longitudinal study over a 60-year period was done on exceptionally intelligent children, where researchers followed their lives to see how they were doing in adulthood. And it turned out that having a very high IQ or being very successful in the academic sense was no guarantee of fulfillment in life. It turns out that emotional intelligence and emotional health is a much more determining factor for feeling a sense of purpose and fulfillment in life, for having a sense of being able to face life's challenges, having a healthy sense of self. So what are the characteristics of emotional health and of mental health? In a course on compassionate parenting taught by Dr. Lisa Firestone, she describes several traits of a mentally healthy person. And these are some of them. A mentally healthy person has a strong sense of their values, which are inner directed, meaning they come from their own moral compass, so to speak, their own set of values, not from trying to live by someone else's moral code. Also, a person who enjoys mental and emotional health is neither defiant nor submissive, but emotionally independent. They have a sense of their own identity, of who they are. Also, a person with mental health can experience their feelings, feel their feelings, and make rational decisions when it comes to their actions. Dr. Lisa Firestone goes on to describe that a person with mental health has a strong sense of themselves. A person with mental health can deal with feelings. They feel them fully, they don't suppress them, but they also don't aggressively act them out or attack either through their words or physically. A person with emotional health is not defensive when they hear feedback. They can hear it, they're even interested in it, but they don't believe all the feedback that they get necessarily, but they hear it because they're interested in growing as human beings, but they also check in with themselves to see what feels right to them in the sense of how they are and who they are. They have the capacity to be compassionate, and all children have the capacity to develop compassion and empathy. But this depends, as I'm going to describe in the upcoming episodes, this depends highly on the experiences that we as parents give them in the home and in the um, experiences that we expose them to outside of the home. Also, a person with mental and emotional health has the capacity to be creative, to let their thoughts flow to their area of interest or to their passion. They have the capacity to express their interests, their strengths, who they are, and their qualities. And they also have the capacity to, or the ability to be logical, but not necessarily rigid to think about how they want to plan things uh, in their lives, but also they have the ability to be flexible depending on the life circumstances that they're facing. 
So that's one list of the traits of a person with emotional health. But what else would we see? We would see in a child the gradual development of emotional regulation and impulse control. Now, let's remember that this capacity to be emotionally regulating oneself and controlling one's impulses begins to develop at around age three to three and a half. But we do see the gradual development of a child handling their feelings in a way that expresses how they're feeling, what they're thinking, without attacking a sibling or their parent or a kid at school or damaging something. A child who enjoys emotional health also feels safe, not just safe from physical, sexual, verbal, and emotional abuse, but safe to be who they are in their family with their caregivers. For example, safe enough to be active, to be spontaneous, to be talkative, or to be quiet, perhaps if they're an introvert, to not feel that they have to constantly be like another sibling who is perhaps an extrovert. Safe enough to be who they are, perhaps if they're allowed to express their their happiness loudly, um, and to show how they feel and to say what they think. Also safe enough to say what they want and what they don't want. Not that this means we'll give in to their every desire, not at all. But a child who enjoys emotional health feels safe enough to say what they think. To ask all kinds of questions. To share if something scary or confusing or stressful happened at school or during a visit with a friend, etc. Now, we're talking about childhood here, but all too soon, as we know, our children are going to be teenagers, right? Which is when we see how much connection or lack thereof we developed with our children during their childhood. This is where we're going to see a lot of those uh, results from the relationship we built in their childhood. And uh, I'd like to share with you a quote from Dr. James Garbarino regarding the impact of our, our sort of foundations in emotional health that we bring to, that we offer our children during their childhood and how it can show up in adolescence. And the quote is this, you can increase the likelihood you'll have a self-disclosing adolescent by establishing in childhood the message, there is nothing you could do. There is nothing you could feel. There is nothing that could happen to you that if you told me about it, I would stop loving you, end quote. So that's the quote from Dr. James Garbarino, and I feel it's such a powerful quote, a powerful statement to the immense impact that we have on our children's mental and emotional health, not just during childhood, but for what they will feel safe enough to, to feel and to share and to be when they reach adolescence, the the stage of their lives in which peer pressure is such a, a big factor. So an environment in which our children can feel safe enough to show us the worst version of themselves and know that we'll be there to set the necessary limits respectfully and with empathy for where they're at developmentally is key. Emotional health in a child also shows up in how emotionally literate they are. Not just saying, I hate so-and-so, which is so common for children to say when they're young, but when they can say more than that, such as, I'm so angry with so-and-so, they named a feeling, or I I feel tightness in my stomach when I think about this. So they're self-aware 
aware of their feelings, what they feel in their body and where they feel it when they're scared or worried or anxious about something. They can name the feeling and they can be aware of what's going on inside of them. So it's very important, and I'm going to talk about the steps and the guides and, and the examples, and again, in the third episode on this three-part series, but the reason that having emotional literacy is such a big part of emotional health is because children can understand what's going on within them, rather than just feeling a feeling or having a sensation of, say, anxiety or stress in their body or of anger being built up, rather than just feeling all of that, to understand what's going on by being able to put a name to it, such as frustration or jealousy or fear or worry or anger or sadness, etc., by being able to understand what that is, it really helps children to calm down and to understand themselves and what they're going through in the moment. Now, going back to the characteristics or the traits of emotional health, a child who enjoys emotional health can gradually voice their disagreement assertively, yet not aggressively, gradually as they grow and develop. Another characteristic of emotional health in a child can look like this. The child feels safe enough to go outside and explore, knowing that when they return, mom and dad are right there or the, uh, a caregiver with whom they feel safe uh, because they're going to go back to the safety and the support if they need it. So being able to go out and explore and dare to distance uh, oneself gradually as they grow from the parent, you know, distance themselves physically to go and explore at the playground or then to stay in school for a longer period of time is a sign that they feel safe enough to be somewhere else away from mom and dad because they know that they can go back to that safe harbor, so to speak, once they um, come back home. Other traits of emotional health in children include that they're willing to try new things, new challenges, because they know that even if it works out or doesn't work out, it's not going to be sort of catastrophic. It's just, you know, it's going to be something that they did and that they tried and that maybe they can try again. They feel positive about themselves most of the time, not all the time, nobody does, but you know, they feel positive about their ability to do things, to try new things and to work things out. And they're also kind to themselves during difficult times. They don't say to themselves words such as, I'm so stupid because I did this, or, oh, I'm so dumb. You know, they don't say those kinds of things to them verbally, and they don't feel that way about themselves emotionally when they're struggling with something. And Dr. Laura Markham, she has great articles on her website, ahaparenting.com. And in the third episode, when I talk about advice and resources, I will be sure to link uh, her articles on this topic in the show notes. But Dr. Laura Markham, when she talks about emotional health and emotional intelligence, um, being a smart about emotions, so to speak, is, is one of the characteristics. And she describes some other ones as well on her website on, uh, in her article on promoting emotional intelligence in children. So emotional health in a child also shows up as emotional self-knowledge and self-acceptance. 
Also being sensitive to the cues, the nonverbal and emotional cues of other people, of other children. Also having empathy. So empathy, she defines, Dr. Laura Markham defines as the ability to see and feel something from the other person's point of view. So a child with emotional health gradually develops this skill and you can see it, you know, in different situations, be it um, perhaps in a conversation with a friend or in a conversation with you as a parent or with a sibling. So you see this gradually developing also the ability for them to regulate their own anxiety or their own anger um, by being able to talk about what's going on in an emotionally charged situation, uh, being able to gradually develop that constructive approach to solving a problem, a disagreement. Now, why is it so important that we talk about not just raising children in general, but raising children who enjoy mental and emotional health? And I'm sure you, you're well aware of the importance of it, but I just like to uh, share it here with you so that we're all on the same page as to why we're talking about this. There are several reasons, as you know, but some of the most salient ones are based on the fact that some of our biggest challenges as adults, our patterns of behavior, our fears, our insecurities stem from childhood and have their root in early childhood. So it's important to think about what you're providing for your child on an emotional and psychological level so we can understand how they're going to develop. Genetics do play a role in our development and our relationships in school and with friends throughout our lives do play a role in our personality. But the most influential factors of how we see ourselves, are we worthy of love and respect? Is the world worth exploring or a place to fear? Are others dangerous or people I can build healthy relationships with? All of these belief systems about ourselves and about others have their roots in our relationship with our earliest caregivers. These are the belief systems that we'll bring into our adolescence and our adult life. So that's why we're talking about this topic. The psychological environment that we offer our children on a day-to-day basis will be a big determinant of whether or not they develop destructive patterns of behavior or healthy patterns of behavior. Why? Because the brain develops 95% from zero to five years of age. And more importantly, it develops in response to experience. And yes, of course, we can always uh, create better inputs, emotional and psychological inputs for our children's brains for sure. But it's so important to realize that in early childhood is when the brain is most absorbent and uh, of, of whatever it is that it it experiences in its surroundings emotionally and psychologically. So what kind of experience are we talking about? The psychological environment in which a child grows will literally wire their neurons for resilience or anxiety. For a healthy sense of self where the child feels they're worthy of love or a sense of worthlessness and that they need to perform or repress their feelings in order to feel accepted. The environment we give our children in their childhood is going to set them up to answer this question differently depending on the environment we give them. Is it safe to be authentic with the feelings that are coming up for me? Be it frustration, anger, jealousy, fear, anxiety. 
All of us are going to feel these feelings starting from childhood. And so our brain is going to be wired for accepting these feelings because our parents accept them when they come out of us as young children. Or are they going to be repressed in order for us as young children to feel accepted by our parents? And as I've mentioned in other episodes, the reason this is so important uh, for our children to be to feel accepted by us as their parents is because in early childhood, we are a representation of the world to them. So it's so critical to think about how we're not just, you know, their mommy or their daddy, but we are a representation of women or men in the world and for how they are going to view themselves and others as they continuously have these interactions with us throughout their lives. Is the world a place that's worth exploring or is it a place to avoid because only harm, be it emotional or physical harm, will come of it? So all these questions we develop answers to these questions unconsciously once we reach adolescence and adulthood based on the environments that we grew up in in childhood. And so that's why this topic is going to be, uh, we're going to dive deeply in it and why I'm going to uh, focus uh, the different aspects of addressing it in the upcoming episodes as well. So stay tuned for next week and the third episode in the series. Thanks for joining me.